From Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a long career as an employed professional. Somebody asked me during a podcast interview, what is it that you do? And out of the mouth came, I'm like the drop-in CEO, where I drop into situations, assess the landscape, roll up my sleeves, and solve the business problem and elevate people. Today on episode 98 of Going Solo, I'm speaking with the founder of Illumination Partners, Deborah Coviello. In this episode, Deb shares the story of how she found her unique positioning as a consultant, becoming the drop-in CEO. Stay with us to hear all the details. If you'd like to share your story on Going Solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Deborah Coviello. Deb is the author of CEO's Compass, your guide to getting back on track and host of the Drop-In CEO podcast. After more than 25 years in quality and operational excellence roles, Deb has a deep understanding for what's important when it comes to creating solutions for CEOs by assessing the landscape, solving their technical business issues, and elevating their people for a lasting impact and ultimately peace of mind. She's here today to help share a bit of how the CEO's Compass can bring you peace of mind. Deb, welcome to the show. David, it is my pleasure to speak to you and your audience. Truly a pleasure and looking forward to the conversation. Well, I'm thrilled to have you on and to talk a little bit about your own background, your experience, and kind of, um, you know, a little bit of the why of of your story and also some of the how. And and to get us started, let's talk a little bit about the transition that you made. So you, you actually, like me, studied engineering, and you have many years of great experience in the corporate world, becoming head of quality and before that, head of operational excellence of North America of a company that's been around for a long time, I I believe something like 125 years. And um, when I checked out the company, it seemed like there were about 15,000 employees. So that's like big roles in a big company. Yeah, it was amazing experience. And I will always be grateful for having the opportunity for career movement and all the resources and the training and support to get to that level. And, you know, I don't forget that. And a lot of that learning I now bring in serving others. So amazing experience. Uh, never forget it. Right. And big companies that have a lot of these opportunities and nurture employees to take advantage of those opportunities are, are great places to be. I know when I was an engineer, I was in much smaller companies and actually reflecting on my own situation, I left engineering because my job ended when the company that I was working for lost a lot of business and there wasn't any other, the company wasn't big enough. There wasn't another part of the company that was doing better where employees that they wanted to keep, they could they could manage to shuffle around. So um, my solution for that problem was um, I just wanted out of corporate and I ended up going into the not-for-profit sector. So yeah, being able to move around within a company and take advantage of opportunities and grow is really great. And to that point, again, uh, resiliency, and I know we'll get into the details, but being able to assess the situation and bounce back and think about what's in your control <laughs> as you navigate is really what sometimes keeps you moving forward at times of what might one might say is a crisis, <laughs> when it really isn't. It's just an opportunity. Right, right. And I, I love that, actually, being cognizant of what's in your control, because, yes, there are things that are in our control, and there are lots of things that are not in our control. 
Absolutely. I could talk about several times where we parted ways with the organization and you can feel a little sorry for a short amount of time, but uh, it's really a matter about how fast you go through that mourning period and pick yourself up again. (laughs) Right, right. So after many years of experience with um, significant positions, what caused you to decide to become a consultant? Well, I was forced out. (laughs) There, I said that. (laughs) But, you know, actually, you know, the backstory is that while I was doing quite well in that role, it was exceptionally challenging. And I had been the head of quality for almost three years in that organization. And even to this day, my boss would tell me some of the work that I did in strategic planning and building up an organization that was actually crumbling. Big kudos to what I was doing. But, you know, in the end, we came to a point where we agreed the leadership was needed that was different. And so I parted, I got a very nice agreement with them. And the opportunity just to take some time off and say, now what? But I will tell you, (laughs) I love the corporate experience. But sometimes and I think a lot of us can say at some point in our career, I got to a place of burnout, I lost my purpose, I was couldn't find anything that I don't know, could just relax me and give me peace of mind. I truly was off track. And that time after leaving corporate was a wonderful time to reevaluate and say, you know what, I can serve others with my technical craft, I'd like to try to do consulting. Yeah. Now, when you left, Had you anticipating taking a time for self-reflection? No, but it just happened. It happened around the Thanksgiving, Christmas, uh, Jewish, New Year's holidays, all of them rolled up in one. So if ever it were a time to have parted ways with the corporate role, it was the best time because there was a lot of downtime. It was like renewal. (laughs) So I had a really great opportunity. I took about, I don't know, a couple weeks, couple months to just reflect, read, relax, sleep, cry, write, (laughs) walk, listen to podcasts, and read a lot of books. And it was probably the best couple months of just pausing versus just doing. And so many people just start hitting the pavement again, starting to run, 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 get the the resume updated and just start doing. And I find so often people just keep doing and they don't pause and think. And I think the time to think about what is it that I can do? What do I really want to do? What am I good at? What am I passionate about? was probably the best time spent before I actually started getting out there and networking again. You know, Deb, this is one of the issues that I've actually talked with a lot of guests about. And when I first started this show, which is now, um, gosh, it's, um, it's almost two years ago, I really wasn't anticipating that, that a time for self-reflection was so important. And in my case, I also started consulting when my position was eliminated after many years. And thinking back on it, I'm not sure that I'm not sure that I actually did all that much self-reflection. Yet, when I've spoken to people like you as a podcast host, it's an issue that has come up time and again. You know, it's... um I didn't plan to go there. <laughs> it just kind of happened. But you know what? I I remember a story. I mean, my mother had been visiting over the long winter holiday. And there I'm sitting there first thing in the morning. And I just wanted to write. You know, I said, okay, let me write an article for LinkedIn about, I don't know, being thankful or, you know, being able to have a mentor or something. And all I know is out of the flow of simply writing, I came out of it finding 
oh my God, I love writing. And I actually cried. And you know, again, people don't like to talk about those vulnerabilities, but one being sad because I feel like I was at a loss. What value am I going to provide to the household? Because we have a dual income, three kids, mortgage and and, uh, college tuition. And at the same time, I was finding joy at the same time. So I know it's a little woo-woo, but you know what? That's what reflection does. Either you get renewed energy, you go through a time of great sorrow, but I find that I came out a little bit stronger at the end didn't have it figured out, but at least I had a vision to say, you know what, I want to serve. I want to do it on my own. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I'm going to trust myself at least for a short time and see what happens. And how did you know that you were ready to take the first step beyond self-reflection? It started with networking. And I know, you know, a lot of your guests talk about networking. I know specifically Mark Hirschberg, who you just had on, uh, talked about networking. Oh my, did that help me a lot. But not only just the outreach saying, hey, I'm here. Uh, Here's my thoughts. Here's how I can help you. But, you know, people said, well, Deb, what is it that you're going to do? who do you serve? And all those typical things that people want to know as part of your brand messaging. And I can remember a situation, I had lunch with a prior colleague, again, reached out to my first degree networks. And he says, so Deb, tell me what you're going to do. And I fumbled over my words. And I never wanted to be that embarrassed again, to not have crisp talking points. So the act of networking and letting the world know that you're here to serve and who you can help, it also enabled you to practice over and over again, your talking points so that it's clear to them. And then you get that feedback and then it just perpetuates that self. And it's that self-fulfilling prophecy. You get your word out there. I'm here to serve small and medium-sized companies and partner with the CEOs of the company, solve their business problem, and also elevate the people for a lasting impact. I didn't have that those first couple months out of the gate, but the networking process forces you to get very crisp. Yeah. The same thing happened to me. I I started networking and also did not have a pitch down, didn't really know exactly what I was going to say about who I wanted to serve. And I started doing it after I was probably, like when I really got active networking, I was probably in business for a year at that point and had paying clients. And yes, I I did have some of these one-on-one encounters where I went through this one, one person at a time. And in the beginning, I also was pretty clueless about what I was going to say. You know, and I have to say, it's okay. In the moment, it doesn't feel good. (laughs) You know, you have those woulda, shoulda, coulda, you know, next time I better put it on a three by five index card if people still use that. But at the end of the day, it's about, you know, what's your intention? I've got to get clients. I've got to get clients. And I will tell you, by the time I got the third one, all through referrals and networking, I finally had validation of, okay, I guess my talking points and my clarity is good enough because people now know, like, and trust. And so you'll never be perfect. That's not what we're striving for. It's to serve in a way that leverages our strengths. I love that. Yeah, being clear that that you just have to be good enough. You don't have to be the best, and you don't have to be perfect. And you do have to get it started. But there is a footnote to that, David. <laughs> Which is what? Well, yes, you know, 
per, what did they say? Perfection is the, is the enemy of the good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know we talked about that, but at the same time, what I did learn <laughs> on the journey, and I picked it up from one of the authors that I'm a fan of, is Dory Clark. Stand out is you have to establish yourself as an expert, and everybody can have a mindset of saying, "Well, I'm not, I can't," and they're smarter people than you. Well, yeah, if you think that way, it is true. But nobody shares your unique experiences and your framework and your thoughts and approach, if you start curating that information, then sharing it with the world, then you are that expert. You can be an expert and you need to be very crisp and clear and perfect in that space. That is so true. Another thing about being an expert is you need to know more than the person that's going to be paying you about something. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) You don't have to know everything. You just have to know more. It's so true. And again, it's like, don't let them see you sweat. I have an army of uh, people on my network that I can leverage to bring in. So basically, if I'm face to face with a client, they're probably actually talking to four or five experts. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So as you were you were going through this self-reflection process and then the beginning stages of networking and trying to clarify what your positioning was. First of all, how long would you say that process was till you felt like you were on a a track where where you were demonstrating that there was a need where where clients were going to pay you? So it's a journey. (laughs) You're never quite sure, like, when are you viable? When are you relevant? When are you in a sustainable business model? Only you can figure it out. But I will say that by the time I got my third client, about seven months in, I said, there's something here. That was my first, I don't know, I arrived moment, (laughs) but I still wasn't secure. But at least I had three paying clients that now took me to the end of my first year after my severance ran out. But I always had self-doubt. But I think I felt like I became viable when the fourth client came on through networking and through referrals. And not only did I get the first assignment, but then the contract was extended. And then I got another project and another project. And just the other day, even though I haven't been working for them for about six months, I get a call. So it's different for everybody. People have said it could be three to five years in order to be relevant. I'm now in my third year and I'm just beginning to feel relevant that I figured it out, how to get clients. I just need to do more of what seems to be working now till I get financial peace of mind while doing purposeful work. Yeah, that that sounds great. Well, first of all, congratulations on everything you've achieved. It sounds pretty awesome. Thank you for sharing what you went through during the that sort of self-reflective period, because I think it's so important to be able to share this. I want to talk a little bit about what you actually do and how you figured out the positioning, what your positioning is, a little bit about who is your ideal client, what kind of problem you solve for them, et cetera. So, David, thank you. That's a really great question, but I would be amiss if I didn't say that while in theory I am a management consultant that currently serves CEOs and senior business leaders in small and medium-sized flavor and fragrance companies, I had to niche down in order to get the clients. But now realizing that I have breadth in what I do (laughs) and my approach that I outline in the CEO's compass does transcend industries. But I think what happened is 
okay, I'm a management consultant, I'm a podcaster, I'm now a content creator and author. But it came one day through a networking opportunity where somebody asked me during a podcast interview, what is it that you do? And out of the mouth came, I'm like the drop-in CEO, where I drop into situations, assess the landscape, roll up my sleeves, and solve the business problem and elevate people. It was that image that came to me all of a sudden when I was in a startup optical networking company. I was 35 years old, and we were just hoping for the next round of funding. And the venture capitalist group dropped in a CEO to help us through a significant challenge we were having. And he sat down with us, rolled up his sleeves, and started doing Excel spreadsheets with us just to help us to get us back on track. And out of that, I said, I'm like the drop-in CEO. And they said that was brilliant. And I said, oh, no, no, I'm not a CEO. I've never been a CEO. But then when you think about it, the drop-in CEO, we as management consultants do drop in to either stable situations seeking growth or change or chaotic situations seeking to be fixed and build the foundation. The drop-in CEO brand was evolved. And that's now my brand messaging because it does, I think it's important for people to try to make yourself a little unique because there's a lot of coaches and there's a lot of consultants. So critical, and it'll take time. Find that thing that's a little interesting and differentiates you from the rest. That has been, I don't know, people peaking people's interest into, ooh, I want to get to know that person. I think that's really, really critical as you start not only knowing who you serve and what you do, but what is it that you are? What is your brand that people will know, like, and trust? Right. So you actually have, it sounds like, a pretty unique system or process that you can use repeatedly with different clients Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was one of those things, you know, let's go back to engineering. They talk about people, process, and tools. That's what they train us in operations. This is how you solve problems. But one thing I noticed in my last leadership position was I can have a lot of smart people tackling those elements of a problem, people, process, and tools. But I later learned that there were two critical missing elements, understanding the past and the culture of the people that come to the problem-solving arena, as well as their pride the intellectual property that sometimes we forget. And out of this, this house of quality, this approach, this system, the foundation, the pillars, the house were starting to come to me. And over time, it was my 7P influence model that only a quality or ops person might realize or understand. And then it transitioned into, you know what? It's a compass. It's a guide. It is those things that I find in business that even if you have the smartest people and the best laid out project plans, you don't need my 10, 8, 7 step approach, but the CEO's compass is designed to pick one or two, three things that if you just tweak and focus on those areas, they'll get you back to true north or peace of mind. So the CEO's compass is my approach that I leverage when I drop into situations and solve certain business problems with leaders. What kinds of complaints do businesses typically talk about when they need your help? There's a few things that have navigated or migrated to me. I find that it's really about business growth or sustainability. So a couple of the assignments I have had have leveraged my technical capability. Like we need to get this quality certification because if we don't get it, we're going to be removed from the core supplier list. 
there goes business growth or business sustainability. I've often been brought into that. Another situation is when a large corporation acquires a small business unit and you have to integrate the people. Well, you can integrate the platforms and the systems and all of your business, whatever, but you know what? Unless you prepare the people and help give them the skills and and, and link them to the new organization without a strategy, they're lost. You'll lose people and whatever you set out to do is going to crumble. So I'll drop into organizations and fix, I don't know, the capability of the people and making sure that they can create a, a roadmap for the future. I find so often in small and medium-sized organizations, we have technical experts in these operations roles, but they've never been shown how to build a strategy and a roadmap for the future. Those are some of the technical problems I'll solve, as well as just being an interim quality leader, an interim operations leader. That's what they need. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. What do you find are some of the ways that the kinds of companies that need this help learn about you? It is all through referrals. You know, I do put myself out there on social media. LinkedIn is my playground. I've got a website, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, etc. But the power of networking and then putting the content out there to have greater reach. There's a lot of people I don't know, but they're consuming my content. I and the podcast, the podcast itself, I have found that by establishing really good relationships with people, my name has been caught brought up and through no like and trust, people will trust me. And usually when that happens, magic happens. So it's all referrals. Nothing has come directly as a result of a podcast interview or, oh, I saw your services on your website. It is the power of the network and referrals. Right. But thank you actually for drawing the connection between content creation and sharing mm-hmm. and networking and building relationships. Yeah, it's been invaluable. And I had a strength in content creation. I mean, the one of the stories as a child is I, you couldn't shut me up and I was a <laughs> prolific writer and uh, that got squelched over the years in corporate. And then I came forward and I just wanted to push the button and put video out there. I just wanted my thoughts to get out there. And you know what, now that I've done that and I've created so much content, people now say, you know what, you made me think. I'm thinking differently. I have somebody in mind that I want to introduce you to. So there is tremendous value in putting all of that thought leadership out there. The caveat is make sure you start getting very crystal clear on how does it all tie together so people get you and understand what you stand for. Yeah, yeah, that is so true. Deb, what's your dream for all this? Where would you love it to go? Oh, God, now you're throwing one of those questions. It's... um. It's a hard question to answer, but I have some, I don't know, characteristics of what the future looks like. I have created an outcome for this business, Illumination Partners and the Drop-In CEO. For my personal purpose, I want to be able to have financial peace of mind while doing purposeful work. And I don't qualify what that financial number is, but I love, love, love doing the purposeful work and helping business leaders. But I also see myself on a stage. And when I say a stage with bright lights, that's the reason for Illumination Partners is just seeing the light. And while I don't profess that I have to be on a stage with 10,000 people accepting an award or something, it is really having a platform to be able to speak, share my thoughts with others. And because of our thought leadership and engaging and getting people to think differently, they take control of their future, whether it's within a corporation or I see so many people that should be going out on their own. They just need a mindset shift to be able to get going in a structure. 
Yeah, well, you're, you're a great role model. If someone wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed today, access any of the great content that you have or get in touch with you, where's the best place? All right. Well, David, thank you so much for this opportunity to share my thoughts with your community. The best way to get free content right now from me is the Drop-In CEO podcast, where I share insights and inspiration from amazing industry leaders so you can learn. That is a primary source of great content. The other one is my website, dropinceo.com. I've got a lot of blog content there. Subscribe. You'll get on my mailing list because later this year, the CEO's Compass will come out and you, that book, you'll get information about uh, how to get uh, get your hands on that. So thank you for the opportunity to share that. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for coming on and sharing your experiences and your story and, um, and just talking about what you're up to. David, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. <laughs> my guest today has been the founder of Illumination Partners, Deborah Coviello. Thank you again, Deb, for joining us. All right. Thank you, David. Be well. When you visit the Going Solo website, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today we learned how to find your unique positioning as a consultant and much more. If you'd like to share your story on Going Solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Please share this episode with friends and colleagues to help them learn how to build a successful business after a long career as an employed professional. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.